The researchers took some cells, put them in a Petri dish, and exposed them to high levels of blue light. And lo and behold, those cells died. What they didn't let the public know is that the cells that they put in the Petri dish were not even eye cells. They were not retinal cells. They were not photoreceptors. They were cervical cancer cells. Oh, wow. Hello, this is Dr. Diva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I have the pleasure of having Dr. Ronnie Bannock. Dr. Bannock has specialized training in functional medicine. She applies principles of complementary and alternative medicine in conjunction with traditional medical approaches to treat chronic diseases affecting the visual system. She offers a unique approach to managing conditions such as dry eye, macular degeneration, blepharitis, migraines, multiple sclerosis, myasthenia gravis, thyroid eye disease, uvitis, and other autoimmune conditions. She is the founder of Envision Health New York City. A private race practice in New York City, she's an award-winning associate professor of ophthalmology at Mount Sinai Icon School of Medicine and also serves as the principal investigator for five multi-centered clinical trials in neuro-ophthalmology. Dr. Bannock is a member of the American Academy of Ophthalmology's Exam Development Committee and helps to see the standards for board certification in her field. She was also voted Castle Connolly Top Doctor 2017 through 19 by her peers. Hi, Dr. Banna. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on your show and for that kind introduction. You're very welcome. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on the show. I really want to get into the, a lot of conversation regarding eye health as we are stuck at home and a lot of people have shifted their normal way of lifestyle to more of a lifestyle of being at home and being on the computer screens. And this is really hazardous to our health and we'll get more into that. But you're an ophthalmologist. I really want to clarify the difference between an ophthalmologist and an optometrist. Can you distinguish the two for us, please? Absolutely. So there, I know that's a question a lot of people have. You know, what, what's the difference? And actually, there are three O's in the eye care industry. So there's, there are ophthalmologists, optometrists, and opticians. And so again, it causes a lot of confusion. So ophthalmologists are medical doctors. We've gone through four years of medical school then an internship, and then a residency in ophthalmology. And some of us have done extra training in terms of a fellowship in a particular subspecialty. Optometrists have gone to college for four years and then gone to four years of optometry school. And um, some of them have also done a short residency, one or two years of residency. The difference is that we both take care of many different eye conditions, but ophthalmologists actually do both the medical and the surgical treatment of eye disease. We also do glasses and, and prescribing medications and so forth, but it's the full spectrum of eye health. And optometrists prescribe glasses. They can diagnose and treat certain eye conditions. Depending on the state that they're in, they can also prescribe medications, but it all depends on state laws. Opticians are the uh, professionals who actually make the glasses, so they grind the glasses. When you go to the eye eyeglasses store, there are opticians who are going to be working with you to get your glasses just right. And that's um, a separate type of degree or a separate certification. Yeah, thanks so much for clearing that up because I've always, being in the health field, I know the difference, but so many people are telling me that they're going to go to their optometrist to get 
LASIK surgery. And I, and I know, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. It's a different type of doctor. So you also look at the, um, the initials after the name. So if it's an OD, it's a doctor of optometry. And if it's MD, it's a medical doctor. So. Right. Perfect. Perfect distinction. Right now, what are you seeing that's a common complaint in your practice? Well, um, I think what you had alluded to before, the biggest concern people have is being on their computers all day long. And so even before the pandemic happened, many of us were spending hours and hours on in front of the screen. So the average, I think, for adults in the U.S. was almost 11 hours a day on some type of device, whether it's your phone, your tablet, your computer, watching TV. For kids, it was almost six hours a day. And this is these are numbers, again, before the pandemic. So now that we've all transitioned to working from home, homeschooling, connecting with family and friends via devices, gaming, you know, watching streaming, our, it's just going to skyrocket even more. I can't even imagine what the numbers are going to look like. So, um, so the concern is, number one, digital eye strain, and number two, the blue light that comes from these screens. And so I'll just define what digital eye strain is. Um, it's a syndrome and it has many different types of symptoms and everyone can be different in what they experience, but the symptoms include uh, blurry vision, difficulty focusing, dry eyes, light sensitivity, headaches, sometimes even head and neck, neck or shoulder pain. So again, that's digital eye strain and it comes from you know multiple things. It comes from keeping your eyes open while you're looking at a screen. So when we're looking at a screen, we just don't blink as often. Normally we blink about 15 times a minute. When we're looking at a screen, we maybe blink about four or five times a minute. So our eyes tend to dry out. So that can cause dryness of the surface of the eye. It can cause blurry vision. And then the focusing issue is, you know, when we're looking at a particular distance for a prolonged period of time, whether it's at the computer or a device, our eyes are constantly having to accommodate or focus at that distance and they get fatigued. So it is a form of eye fatigue. And then finally, the light that's coming off the screen, which is a part of it is blue light, can lead to headaches and light sensitivity. So again, it's a constellation of symptoms. Many people get it, kids get it. And so there's a couple of tips that I do recommend to try to lessen those symptoms. And there's no way to eliminate it completely, but you can definitely try to uh, prevent some of those things from happening. And, and I guess let's go into a little bit about that because for me, you know, and I guess for a lot of people who are sitting on their computers on a regular basis for hours, probably even more than the 11 hours that you were initially talking about, it's, to me, it feels like it's it, the sensation that I typically have is, is, a, is dryness, it's greediness that I feel in, in the eye. Are there any other symptoms that people might be experienced that can condition them to feel that this is digital eye strain and not just a something that you know that's that's in the air Mm -hmm. yeah so what you what you uh experience is actually probably one of the most common symptoms it's like a grittiness or feeling like there are pebbles inside the eye and that's basically because the eyes dry dry dried out and there's friction so whenever we blink uh, there's friction against the eyelid and the surface of the eye. So we need to lubricate. Other symptoms people may complain of include burning. Some people will say, oh, my eyes are just burning. You know, I just can't keep them open. Sometimes it's redness or sometimes it's, uh, you f- people may feel as though their lids just want to close, like they just want to close their eyes. So those are all symptoms that could be suggestive of dry eye versus something else, for example. And for a lot of these people, is there, for, to actually experience the digital eye strain, and the constellation of symptoms, is this something that is occurring over a long period of time, months and weeks, or is it just can occur 
when you're on the computer screen for just a long period of time in one sitting? It's usually the, the latter, so the, the prolonged duration at one sitting. One of the most common things people tell me, my patients tell me, is when I wake up in the morning, I'm okay. But as the day goes on and as I keep working, it's just, I can't do it anymore. So that fatigue that happens during the course of the day. So in order to prevent that, I would say one of the, the most important things you can do is take frequent breaks. And there's a quick, uh, cute kind of uh, way to remember how to take breaks. It's called the 2020 rule. So basically vision, you know, you think about 2020 vision. Uh, the 2020 rule is every 20 minutes, you set your timer, every 20 minutes, take a 20 second break. Just close your eyes. You don't even have to do anything. Just close your eyes, maybe take some deep breaths, and that will allow your eyes just to relax. You're getting lubrication when you close your eyes, and it's just it's so much more comfortable when you start working again. So mm. keep that rule in mind. Well, that's a great rule. Will the typical symptoms of the eye strain, uh, will that accompany like mental fatigue and, 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 and loss of like sharpness of the, of the brain? Because sometimes when my eyes go, it's like I'm all of a sudden, I feel exhausted and I can't think straight. So are the two related? Absolutely. So there's, there's no scientific study that's actually been done to relate them. But, you know, absolutely, when we're not seeing well, when we're trying to focus on something and it's just not clear, you know, our brain can't process properly. And we feel almost like a fog, like a mental fog. And so, yes, there is that component of, this, of it as well, mm -hmm. uh, mental fatigue. For my podcast, I typically... And, and my book that I've written as well, I focus a lot on nutrition and how it affects the overall health of our body. What does nutrition have an effect on our eye health? Yeah, actually. So that's something that I really promote in my practice also is healthy nutrition and lifestyle choices for vision and brain health. And in terms of digital eye strain, there's a couple of things that are really important. So first of all, we were talking about lubricating your eyes. So to maintain a healthy surface of the eye, healthy tear film. And in order to do that, you need to have plenty of omega-3s in your diet. So many of us have heard of the omegas, omega-6s and 3s, and 3s are considered the more healthy omegas. And so 3s uh, are important to maintain that surface oily layer of your tears. And you can get that through certain types of fish, um, as well as non-animal-based uh, products like flax seeds or chia seeds, or take a, take a supplement. That's, that's possible also. Other thing that's really good for dry eye is vitamin A. Vitamin A is really important to help maintain the ocular surface. So uh, you can get vitamin A through many different types of foods, spinach, even ma mangoes, and, and many other uh, nutrients have vitamin A, many other foods have vitamin A in them. But um, there's something that a lot of people don't realize, you know, two important eye health nutrients that don't usually get talked about. So I think I'll take this opportunity since you asked about nutrition to yeah, talk about do. them, uh, specific to digital eye strain and blue light. So there are two nutrients that are called lutein and zeaxanthin. And many people have probably never even heard of these nutrients. You know, what are they? Well, they are carotenoids. And carotenoids are, uh, they're related to vitamin A. They're very potent antioxidants. And what they do is they actually are found in the retina, in the back of our eyes. They get deposited in the retina and they act as blue light filters. So basically whenever, actually blue light and UV light filters. So whenever those light rays come in, these pigments actually absorb those rays and neutralize them and protect our retina. So again, lutein and zeaxanthin, uh, I call them vitamin L and vitamin Z, but they're not truly vitamins, they're nutrients. But the thing is our bodies can't make these nutrients. So we need to get them from foods. 
or supplementation. The foods that tend to have these, these two eye health nutrients include green leafy vegetables, so spinach, kale, collard greens, also yellow and orange vegetables, so orange peppers, yellow peppers, corn, and even egg yolk is very, very rich in both lutein and zeaxanthin. So try to include these foods in your diet to get those eye health nutrients. The unfortunate thing is our bodies simply don't get enough from diet alone. So it's been estimated that for lutein, we need anywhere from six to 20 milligrams a day. And most of us on a Western diet probably only get one or two milligrams. For zeaxanthin, most of us need about one to two milligrams a day, and most of us get less than one milligram. So this is where, you know, I'd mentioned before supplementation, there are many supplements on the market, but if you're going to look for an eye health supplement or blue light supplement or digital eye strain supplement, because that's what they're called on the market, look for an ingredient that has the lutein, the zeaxanthin, you know, in it to protect your retinas, protect your eyes. There's another nutrient also called mesozeaxanthin, which is a relative to lutein and zeaxanthin, that uh, mesozeaxanthin is not readily found in food. So that's, and again, why a supplement is helpful. And there's actually an ingredient that I found called Lutamax 2020, and it has all three of these eye health pigments in it. So it's been found in many of the brands on the market. So just for Lutamax, look for Lutamax 2020, and you'll get those pigments. Uh, but always try with nutrition first. That's what I tell people. Try that first. And then if you think you're not getting enough, then you can take the supplement. And I'm sure eating carrots is on a good list, right? Yes. So that's not a myth. That's actually true. So carrots are rich in vitamin A. And vitamin A is, again, important for the surface. It's also very important for the retina to prevent night blindness. So when you're, you know, our, our parents told us, eat your carrots, it's very important. You need to do that. But the, the lutein and zeaxanthin, those are slightly different. They're not found in carrots. So uh, consider that as well. And if we... So right now we're talking about foods that can positively affect our eye health. Are there any foods or things that we should avoid because that we may worry that our eye health will be worsened as a result? Yeah, great question. So, um, so I like to categorize the uh, not so good foods into the sad diet. And I don't know if you've heard mm. of this or you're listening about to all the time. Diet. Yeah. Standard American diet. So basically high in simple sugars, processed foods and uh, unhealthy fats, which are again, omega-6s. So basically junk food and simple sugars. You want to avoid that. So there's definitely a link between too much sugar consumption and in increased blood sugar, which can then lead to diabetes. And diabetes can cause a lot of complications in the eye. And you know it's a risk for losing permanent vision. So you want to avoid that. Unhealthy fats, um, Again, uh, it can affect cholesterol metabolism. It can cause all kinds of issues in the eyes. So strokes, for example, and, and um, more oxidative damage. So you want to avoid those types of fats and processed foods just in general and just want to stay away from those processed foods. And I guess it's also important to point out because when I was in school for integrative medicine, we were taught about having this ratio to optimize between omega-6 and omega-3s. And Omega-6 is typically formed by eating the standard American diet or the SAD diet, specifically more things that are saturated fat, um, meats and, and, and oils that are not really good for us, like corn oil and, and things like that. And this typically, typically increases our ratio of omega-6 to omega-3, but we want to be able to combat that by eating less of those foods and to help reduce our ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 to, omega to about 5 to 1 or even 3 to 1. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's been estimated that in the standard American diet, people have a ratio of 30 to one. Yeah, so even awful. if you can lower that, um, you know, aiming for that five to one or six to one ratio, that would be ideal. Right. You don't, you don't need to cut out omega-6 completely because it's, it's a balance. You know, you definitely yeah. need some. And then, you know, there's been some early work done with omega-9 as well, but I would say it's really too early to say what the, the true health benefits are. But, you know, if you have a balanced diet, you probably will be getting six, three, and nine in yeah. some ratio. So, And are you a fan of a specific dosage for omega-3 fatty acids? So for eye health, specifically for dry eye and for macular degeneration, there are conflicting studies out there. You know, some say that it's beneficial, some say that it doesn't really help. So, um, but I think the bottom line is the best thing is to get it from foods, natural foods. So again, those, you know, healthy fish um, uh, and then some of the other, you know, flaxseed, chia seeds and so forth. But um, if you were to take a supplement, I would say, anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 a day, milligrams a day. Um, in some of my patients, I actually have them do more. Uh, I have some patients who are on three to 4,000 milligrams a day, but if you're gonna go that high, just make sure you work with your local doctor to make sure it's safe. There is also a risk, you know, there's been um, some research that's shown that omega, too much omega-3 can lead to increased bleeding tendencies, especially if you're already on something like a blood thinner. So you want to be extra careful with your uh, omega-3 intake in that situation. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in the categories of oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. We also were able to achieve number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't gotten your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksandmillion.com. Visit from doctortopatient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. Also, in regarding to our eye health, a lot of people are actually also may not notice initially eye difficulties, whether it's strain or focusing. It might manifest as other symptoms like headaches. Is that common? Or, and if so, are there any other symptoms that are unrelated to the eye that can manifest as symptoms related to improper eye health or poor eye health? Yeah, so, um, so headaches and eye issues go hand in hand mm -hmm. for many reasons. But if you're having chronic headaches, you know, first check with your primary doctor to see you know, whether anything else needs to be investigated. But one part of the headache workup is to get an eye exam because many people may have a, an underlying refractive error, meaning that they're either nearsighted or farsighted, they have astigmatism or presbyopia. And once that's corrected with either glasses or contacts, their eye strain goes away and their headaches get better. So that would be kind of a simple approach that can help relieve headaches. Right. Now, um, that being said, there are other medical conditions that can cause headaches that also can be picked up on an eye exam. So that's why seeing an eye doctor is very important. As, and as a neuro-ophthalmologist, this is something I see every day. You know, it comes in the door every day, patients with headaches and vision issues. So one of the more, most common things in terms of 
headaches and eye issues uh, is migraine. And uh, migraine is a specific uh, syndrome. There are diagnostic criteria. Vision is actually not part of the diagnostic criteria, but many people have visual symptoms. Either they will see flashing lights or they will see a pixelation in their vision or light sensitivity. So oftentimes when, um, when migraine is properly diagnosed, not only does their headache get better, but some of their visual symptoms improve as well. So again, they go hand in hand. And also as a neuro-ophthalmologist, I see a lot of other headache syndromes that could be indicative of something else going on, meaning a neurologic issue. So again, don't just try to cover up your headache with you know, over-the-counter medications. Make sure you get it checked out because there are some more serious conditions out there that can cause headaches and vision problems. Right. And I think if you are having migraines, you know, you would want to both see probably a neuro-ophthalmologist just to check if the headaches are related to the eye issues and vice versa, if the eye issues are related to the headaches. So that's a really good point uh, to talk about. And the biggest thing that I, 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 I'm really fascinating about is as I've been reading more and more about lights, and I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, red light therapy, and I often use it um, when I'm doing my podcasts, and I also use red light therapy when I'm in the sauna. And it's interesting how exposure to red light can actually counter the effects of blue light. But let's talk a little bit about blue light and what it is and, and, and why it's so detrimental to our, our health. Yeah, so blue light is on a lot of people's minds because of the screen time that we're having. So I'll just first explain that um, there, blue light is everywhere. It's all around us. And there are there's natural sources and then there's artificial sources. So now in terms of natural source, the greatest source of blue light for us, no matter where we are, is the sun. And that's really important to recognize that the blue light gives off more, I mean, the sun gives off more, gives off more blue light than anything else that we could be exposed to. And that blue light is important for our health. Um, it helps to regulate our circadian rhythm or our sleep-wake pattern. So when the sun rises in the morning, it starts to give off blue light. It signals to our brains that it's time to wake up. It's time to get out of bed, get started with the day. And then as the sun courses through the sky and then just starts to set, the amount of blue light starts to decrease and it tells our bodies it's time to go to bed. There's a, a, a sleep hormone called melatonin that's released when blue light diminishes that's coming from the sun. Now, when we're exposed to artificial sources of blue light, so blue light comes from screens, from our phones, our tablets, our computers, TVs. It also comes from light sources. So you know, many of us now are using energy-saving bulbs like CFL bulbs, compact fluorescent bulbs, or LED bulbs uh, because they help save energy, but they give off a lot of blue light, a lot more blue light than incandescent bulbs give off, uh, much more blue light than fluorescent bulbs give off, and candles don't really don't give up much blue light at all. So um, that artificial you know, light that we're getting interferes with our sleep-wake cycle. It's, many studies have shown that too much blue light exposure, especially in the two hours before bedtime, can really make it much more difficult to both fall asleep and stay asleep. But in terms of vision, so I want to clarify something because in about two years ago, in 2018, there was a paper that came out that caused this alarmist headline, the blue light from your screens is going to blind you. And many people I got terrified yeah. when that came out. So that study, I just want to break down that study. So people were concerned, oh, you know, if I'm on my screen too much, I'm going to lose vision and go permanently blind. That is not true. There is no evidence to say that in a human being, too much blue light exposure will cause you to lose permanent vision. What the study did was, the, the, this is a very interesting study, the researchers took some cells, put them in a Petri dish, and exposed them to high levels of blue light. 
And lo and behold, those cells died. What they didn't let the public know is that the cells that they put in the Petri dish were not even eye cells. They were not retinal cells. They were not photoreceptors. They were cervical cancer cells. Oh, wow. Because these cells are very easy to grow in a Petri dish. They multiply, they grow very well. So they put those cells in the Petri dish. Those cells don't have the natural mechanisms to protect protect against that kind of blue light or UV light or any kind of oxidative damage. They don't have the lutein. They don't have the zeaxanthin. They don't have the internal protection that our eyes, our retinal cells have against light, specifically blue light. So again, take that study with a grain of salt and, you know, we'll see over time what develops in terms of, you know, if there is any long-term issue with blue light. But as far as we know, there is none. There definitely can be short-term issues. So there has been much research done in terms of blue light and digital eye strain. So yes, there is that connection. And then also um, in terms of non-eye related issues, there has been some work done in kids looking at blue light exposure with hyperactivity and decreased Mm -hmm. attention spans and learning issues. So there's a host of other things that we all, we know just should be aware of when it comes to blue light. Um, And to counteract that, you know, a lot of people say, should I get blue blocking glasses, you know, which ones should I get? There are so many on the market. My response is, number one, try to get the proper nutrients in your diet. Take a daily eye health supplement with lutein and zeaxanthin. Then if you still feel like you're not protecting your eyes enough, you can consider blue blockers. There are many, many companies on the market now pushing blue blockers. They're not all made the same. So it's, it's very interesting. Consumer Reports magazine did a study in 2016 where they looked at three of the top selling blue blocking uh, glasses on the market. And what they found was that out of those three, only one of them blocked out over 95% of the blue light. The other two only blocked out about 30 to 40% of the blue light. So what's the point, right? <laughs> if you're going to get the glasses, you might as well get something that really is doing what it's supposed to do. So right. if you're buying them, ask the manufacturer, how much of the blue light does it really block out? and try to you know, strive for at least 90% or above. So that's one thing you can do. Next, I think a really simple thing a lot of people don't realize is there are actually screen filter apps you can download to your computer that internally will block out that blue light and not even just block it out, but block it out according to your time zone. So it can match the blue light that's coming from the sun. So in the morning, it'll be more blue light. And then as the day goes on, that filter app will block out um, uh, more of the blue blue light, so you're getting less blue light. So uh, a couple of apps that I really like are Iris and Flux, F.LUX. So consider those as well. And do we know if these apps, um, I mean, I know we're looking for 90% blocking with the glasses. Um, do we know if these apps produce that 90% or is it greater? It depends on the setting that you put it on. So um, I actually prefer Iris because it has the flexibility, the capability to have 27 different settings. So you can go in and you can put in, okay, I want sleep mode or I want healthy mode or I want movie mode or, you know, dark mode. And you can play with it and adjust the blue light. So there are actually modes on that where you can block out all of it, you know, manually go in and block out all of it. I actually just prefer to have it on the natural setting, which is the healthy setting. So it just mirrors what's happening with the, you know, sunrise and sunset. Mm. Um, But depending on, you know, your, your work hours and what your needs are, it's very flexible in terms of what you're doing with it. And you find that this specific app is actually a lot better than the inherent function of our iPhones or other phones that we use. Because my iPhone, it has a, it has a function where you could actually dim 
um, the brightness. And I don't know how much blue light it's actually blocking. There's no way of, of actually adjusting that setting. It's just it's either on or off. So I don't know if there's even an appropriate functionality to these features on, on these iPhones or other phones. Yeah, so most of them do have some kind of feature. On the iPhone, it's called night shift mode. So if you put it on, you'll see that it actually, the hue of the, sh of the screen changes. It becomes more like a kind of an amber type of hue. And so, yes, it is blocking blue light. I don't know what percentage much, it's blocking. Right. You know, many people think, oh, I'll just lower the contrast, but that's not actually doing, you know, it's blocking. not blocking the blue light. It's just lowering the brightness of the screen or right. the intensity of all the light, you know, all the, all the wavelengths. So I don't know. Uh, and I know many of the other phones also have a similar feature, uh, you know, night mode or, or something mm -hmm. similar to that. So most current phones do have something. But if you, if you think about the app, um, Iris, it's, um, it's a free app. And it's, I think it's a seven-day free trial. And then if you like it, you can purchase it for a nominal amount. But um, you can just try it and you'll see the difference. I mean, the first time I tried it, I was just like, wow, this is incredible. I mean, it really helps me relax my eyes because I do end up working late into the night, often, oftentimes on my computer. And, and I, you know, I can't avoid that sometimes. I'm, you know, it's interfering with my sleep. So I decided to get this and it's made a big difference. Right. And I guess you're, you hold more merits to this app, um, the, the Iris, versus uh, these specific functions that are inherent to the phones that we purchase or, or, or uh, laptops or even our tablets. I do, because again, you don't know, depending on the setting, how much of that blue light is really being, being blocked. Okay. That's good to know. I didn't know that. So that's the first thing I'm going to do is download this app. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to talk about children and what we can do for them in terms of uh, preventing some eye damage. I mean, is there a specific number of hours that you recommend screen time for them on a daily basis? Or is it more of balancing proper eye health with diet and supplementation and reduction of screen time is the best way to go? Yeah, so I get this question from parents a lot. And it's a very valid question given that our kids are homeschooling now. Um, so things have changed quite a bit in the past two months or so for us. Prior to COVID, um, the recommendation for from the American Academy of Pediatrics for kids was um, less than the age of two, no screen time, two to five, maybe max one hour a day. Beyond that, no more than two hours a day. And that's up to about age 12 to 13. And then after that, teenagers, we really can't control how much screen time they're going to have. But, but the, the general recommendation was no more than two hours a day of screen time. And even before COVID, you know, that was that number was being challenged because even in schools, a lot of, you know, school work was being undone on the computer, even at home, homework was being done on the computer. So that's why our kids had much more than that recommended two hours of screen time. Now, you know, it's probably six to eight hours or more of screen time that they're getting. So because it is unavoidable, you know, consider consider that, you know, the, those nutrients from foods, you know, I know it's really hard to get kids to eat some of those foods. Uh, you know, one thing that I found that works well in our household are smoothies, you know, just making a smoothie, you know, you know, adding some fruit in there and uh, making it taste good. If you think that they're not getting some of those vital eye health nutrients, you can do a supplement. Uh, there are great gummy forms now of the supplements out there for kids. So you can look for like a blue light blocking gummy. You can absolutely get them blue blocking glasses if they're going to be at the computer for a long period of time and um, the app. So basically the same thing that adults should do, kids should do. Okay. But the breaks, is re it's really important for them because 
you know, I, I see it in my daughter, you know, she's on her screen all day, you know, doing schoolwork and everything else. And sometimes she was just rubbing her eyes and you could see it, you could see it in their face. So, you know, encourage them to take breaks, get them outdoors if possible, do other things and then go back to their work. And in regards to lubrication, um, is this something that you want to do on a regular basis or when we actually start having the symptoms of the grittiness or, or with the pebble is in our eyes? Um, I would do it prophylactically. So um, you can get artificial tears. They're over the counter. There are many brands out there. Just look for something that does not have a specific ingredient. The ingredient that you do not want to get is called polyvinyl alcohol. So if you see anything on the label that says alcohol, don't buy it. It's a cheap ingredient. It's used in a lot of the generics out there, generic artificial tears out there, but um, it can be toxic to the surface of the eye, to the cornea. It can really cause a lot of irritation, so it actually can make things worse. So um, again, get some artificial tears. I like to chill them in the fridge because it's oh, very soothing. Okay. Um, so you can just keep Great them idea. chilled. And then before you start work, put in some drops, one drop in each eye. And then maybe every hour or so, if you really have a tendency towards dry eye or if they're feeling really gritty and irritated, just put them in every hour. Um, the other great tip I have is just by your workstation, you can get a very small portable humidifier. And, you know, one of those little, you just screw the bottle in and you just have it kind of blowing towards you. Um, and try to avoid any vents or fans near your workspace because that will dry out your eyes too. Awesome. Awesome. Great tips. Well, Dr. Bannock, I really appreciate you coming on our show, but uh, before we end, I want to give you the opportunity to tell our listeners where they can find you and, and more about this book that you're actually writing. Oh, well, wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, so uh, the book I'm writing is on macular degeneration and it is an integrative approach to macular degeneration. So uh, what are the nutrients you need to keep your eyes healthy to stave off this potentially blinding disease? You know, what are um, the lifestyle factors that are important to consider? You know, what can you do in your power to prevent it? So uh, the book will be hopefully coming out soon. Um, I hope by the end of this summer, uh, but otherwise you can get updates from me uh, on my website. It's rudranibanikmd.com, which is my full name. I'm also very active on social media. So I'm on Instagram at dr.ranibanik and on Facebook, I have two Facebook groups. So if any of your listeners are interested in joining, please do. Uh, one group is called Envision Health, where I share a lot of eye health and brain health tips. And then the other group is called Ion Migraine. So um, I share a lot of natural ways to prevent migraine uh, rather than pharmaceutical agents. Awesome. Thank you so much. And as soon as we end the show, the first thing I'm going to do is put some drops in my eyes. <laughs> Excellent. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. It was really nice meeting you. Thank you.